Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Network Show. I'm Alex, and joining me as always from the other side of the country, he's rocking his baby Yoda shirt. How you doing, Spread? How are things over there in what appears to be very sunny California? Yeah, I mean, the weather's like October when I was a child, but other than that, everything's great, dude. I'm back to work on the NBA. It's, this has just been a cram session from the draft of free agency. Usually we have about three months to take all the information in. And even when I was searching the web today, a lot of the beat writers haven't taken it in because I didn't see a ton of like uh, opinion-based preview information that I could go through and, and check out before today's show. So we're going to be cramming these next two weeks for uh, what I expect to be a very exciting NBA season. It is going to be a lot of fun. And joining us to kick off what's going to be kind of a flurry of division previews here. We've got one today. We're going to do one in another couple days. And our goal is probably to do one every two to three days after there. We'll see how well we do at that. But that should get everything underway. Joining us today to talk about the Southeast Division. Normally, he's here to talk about tennis. Instead, he's here with what looks to be a fresh haircut. He got rid of that big beard. Maybe he's going to get it back. Who knows? How are things down under, Stephen? <laughs> Things are good. Yeah, it's weird coming on this and not talking about tennis. But look, uh, we're expanding things into into 2021. But no, all all good here in Australia. It's it's uh, just trying to figure out what to do for for Christmas and over the next you know couple of weeks and months. But yeah, it's nice to have NBA on the horizon starting in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. So let's dive in. Our goal here is going to be to hit every team in the Southeast Division, give you kind of our general thoughts on each team, go through, we'll take a look at some of the odds for uh, total wins, win percentage, yes, no, make the playoffs, maybe some futures or things like that. But we will start with the winner of the Southeast Division, uh, what I believe is Steve's favorite team, the Heat of Miami. So we'll start with you, Steve. Uh, what do you think? What are your expectations for the Heat? Again, coming off that great season, made it all the way to the NBA Finals. You know, a regular season record of 44 and 29, just a little above 60%. Um, really good. And again, from a, when we start to take a look at some of the breakdowns there, the Pythagorean win expectation right around 60. So, you know, right around where they were supposed to be. Um, what do you think? What are your expectations for this year? Look, I'd, I'd be expecting them at the, the pointy end of the season and at the pointy end of the playoffs. Again, I think one of the things that's going to be tricky to kind of gauge, particularly early in the season, is you know the quick turnaround for Miami and, and LA and, and these other teams who, you know, it feels like not that long ago they were playing in the bubble. So, you know, it, it is a quick turnaround in terms of, you know, NBA off-seasons. Um, but I think what they've been able to do really well is maintain the majority of their core, I guess, in terms of looking at their roster. You know, they did lose Jay Crowder, who was exceptional through the through the playoffs and, and added a little bit of experience there when he came in, you know, in the middle of the season. Derek Jones Jr. has also uh, left. Look, whilst he didn't play a lot during the um, during the playoffs, you know, he, he was a nice depth piece and a very good defensive piece as well, as well as the slam dunk champion, which I think everyone agreed with. Um, but look, they've been able to to bring in Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless, and look, it, it's. I'm hoping, and this is, I guess, you know, it's a head versus heart type standpoint. I think, you know, looking at, at the way and how hard Miami works, they're the, they're probably the fittest team you know, if you look at what they do in their off season and in preseason, and you know, they've been able to maintain the majority of that core. You know, Adebayo signed on long term. We've got Dragic for another couple of seasons. It, it, it looks like. Um, you know, whatever is lost with the quick turnaround, I think they'll be able to make up with um, with decent chemistry and, and being able to run it back from the 2019-2020 season. What do you guys think? Yeah, when you start to look at some of the moves, like you mentioned, Crowder, Jones, um, Solomon Hill all out, they 
bring in Bradley, Harkless, um, drafted Precious, um, all guys that seem like they're going to fit, athletic guys that you know can switch and go over the floor. Bradley, more of a guard, but still someone defensively solid, even against some bigger wings. And they feel like heat players. But like you said, all the important pieces come back. All the younger guys are going to have another year to grow. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, the question for the Miami Heat is – were they are they actually an elite team in the east or are they a team that was basically built for the bubble um that being you know the hard-working team the pat riley work ethic combined with jimmy butler the no-nonsense guy who has no problem being away from the world and focusing only on basketball for three months when other players obviously had a lot of problem with not being able to quote unquote blow off some steam, get out, live their normal lives, right? So they need to answer these questions. I do think that these offseason moves, Steve did a great job already, so I don't need to go over them. Uh, Crowder was huge, but remember, he did come up kind of short in the finals there uh, when they needed him. I don't think he was a long term answer. Obviously, that might be a little short term problem losing that. Um, Derek Jones Jr., you know, great 3 and D guy, but. At, at this, the number he went at, definitely replaceable. I think a great question for me is we've kind of glossed over these late round draft picks that the Heat have made in the last couple of years, and they've all turned out to be contributors. Can Precious do this again? Because when I originally looked over this roster, right, I mean, even on the ESPN depth chart, they have him like fourth as, as the center and the power forward, right? He's going to get more playing time than that. And if they can do this again, where they make, you know, a late-round pick look like a lottery pick. I mean, it's just going to be fantastic for the team. Um, overall, it'll be interesting to see if they truly are elite. But if I were to have to guess right now, and I can't wait till preseason and the season starts, you know, when we find out for sure, I would guess that they are and that this team is built well around Jimmy Butler's personality. They have top five coach in the league, and, and it matters for regular season and especially for the playoffs. So I would have high hopes on the team to become a true contender in the East again next year. I, I think, and, and just one more thing on their current roster, and I think a, a lot of what will come down to, you know, whether they can take that next level or maintain what they were able to do in the bubble, I think a lot of it will come down to whether Kendrick Nunn can take that next step and, and play some consistent level of basketball. Obviously, you know, at the start of last season, pre-bubble, you know, he was a starter and Goran Dragic was, was playing off the bench. It's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic ends up, I think, over the, over the start of the season in particular. Yeah, um, I like what you said, Spread. I mean, are they, are they a team that is built for the bubble or is the team that's built for the regular season? At the end of the day, I trust the leadership there. They have arguably the best coach in the NBA in Eric Spolstra. Jimmy Butler's a leader that is going to continue to challenge his roster and help everybody grow. I, I know that a lot of players usually maybe slump a little bit after getting their big extension. I don't expect something like that from a guy like um, Bam Adebayo. As you start to look at the younger players who should just get better naturally, you know, being used to the season, and I wonder how much easier it's actually going to be for guys like Tyler Hero, guys like Kendrick Nunn, um, you know, younger players that kind of start and have to go from the bubble now back to, you know, maybe a normal life. I wonder if it'll be a little better for them. I think in general, they're the same team. They're going to be really competitive. I wonder with the, some of the additions the Bucks have made, if they're going to be able to get past them again in a seven-game series. We'll see if, you know, Budenholzer learned a little bit, if having Drew Holiday makes this matchup a little bit different. But I think this team is going to be competitive. They'll have the attitude every night, knowing that they're the toughest team, knowing that they have probably the best three-point shooting, frankly. And, you know, once you kind of go from there, you know, confidence def defensively, you have good three-point shooting. It's a solid team. You know, night to night, though, 
Um, what do you guys think kind of from a handicap angle? Is there anything, you know, spots you're going to be looking for? I know that a lot of times home court advantage can be really big for Miami. Um, a lot of guys like to go out and do things there, but, you know, they're not going to have fans. Do, do we think that maybe there'll still be that um, extracurricular home court advantage? What do you think, Spread? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really tough to say. Um, as far as the way they match up Milwaukee, I still think they're a huge matchup for Milwaukee. I mean, I still think they match up so well. And night tonight, I think you're going to be able to count on them at home. Now, remember last year, they weren't that good on the road. Uh, they didn't travel very well at all. And, you know, it was almost pretty easy to handicap the team, right? Lay it at home and take the point or uh, and lay it on the road against them because they simply weren't showing up. And for the type of personality that we ascribe to the team, it, it was kind of surprising. We would expect them to go out there and really be warriors on the road. So that's where they're going to need to step up next year. Um, you know, I still have confidence that regardless, even if there's no fans, no nightclubs, that home court advantage is still going to be there. They need to improve their play on the road. And I think that will be the, the key to whether or not they're going to go over or under their win total that the books have put up. So taking a look at that number, I'm seeing some 43 and a half, some 45 and a half. If you're lucky enough to have a Camby book, which would be, you know, DraftKings or Unibet or Bet Rivers or something like that, they're actually hanging win percentage lines, which um, I frankly like a lot more. You know, given all the uncertainty I think we're going to have around the schedule, if you have the opportunity to bet a win percentage line, I think that's going to be a lot better for you than betting a win total line. Um, with the percentage, I think it's going to be more likely that it'll be clear at the end what the rules are, knowing what's going to happen, what's going to cash versus what's not, instead of having to rely on books to do you know, the right thing, if you will. Um, if there is 70 games, 68 games, 69 games, some number less than we're supposed to have. What do you guys think? Anything to add to that before we jump into the total? I, yeah, and it, it's so hard this early because I feel so – down on my prep compared to where I'm usually at. But I think that the number that I'm seeing, and also the, usually the numbers in my head correlate to what I've been capping for however many years. Uh, yeah, so remember, 40, we're at 72 games this year, yeah. folks. So wait, what do you actually do? You just add about four games. So 44 and a half is like seeing a 48 regularly. You know, I had thought about it that way. What I do is try to correlate to like a win percentage. You know, so again, the percentage that you can get a can be 59 and a half. If they're a 43 and a half win team, you know, that's 60%. So, you know, 43 is probably a little less than 60. 44 wins is right around 61 and a half, almost 62. You know, so 43 and a half is a 60% win team. 44 and a half is almost a 62% win team. Okay. Well, yeah, I see right now on Bovada there at 44 and a half with pretty even juice. Uh, that number seems right to me because as much as I said, hey, they got to fix this on the road and they're a team that should be able to fix this on the road, I don't know if I believe in enough to bet on it. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, look, I, I think that total looks about right. I think, you know, I, I'd be expecting or I'm assuming that they'll get off to a slightly slower start with the quick turnaround and then kind of build into the season. Um, I, I think, yeah, that, that total looks good. I, I think, you know, they've, they've built the right roster for the conditions and the environment that they'll be seeing across the season. They've got a roster full of people who love playing basketball and who will turn up you know, each and every night. It's gone to the days of Hassan Whiteside and Dion Waiters playing key roles on this squad. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think that total's about right. Um, but if they start the season incredibly well, I, I'd, I'd see them, you know, pretty comfortably getting over that, that win total by a couple of wins. Yeah, I mean, their odds to make the playoffs huge at minus 650. 
Um, I'm trying to pull up some futures odds here. I can't remember exactly what they were for the conference. I know to win their division, they were one of the teams that was a huge favorite there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Book's not really worried about anybody else here. Um, let me see if I can get those up quickly. Sorry, I thought I had that in front of me, but I don't. But I guess before I pull up the odds, you know, do you guys have any interest in them? I mean, do you see them as a real championship contender, as a contender to win the East? You know, like you said, spread they're a great matchup for Milwaukee. Is that something we should be looking to bet now, or, or do you think maybe the value will be a little bit better as we get later into it? Um, I mean, the secret's out, right? And we had fun with the Heat, and we wrote it while it lasted, but the secret's out. They're properly valued by the market now. Um, you know, we did a great job identifying them, you know, as a team that we work with, uh, with the Raptors the year before and the heat here. So I do think, I think they're the properly valued team. And then when you're looking to tie up your money for that long, I, I would be trying to get, you know, more of a team that maybe I don't think the market or the public is as high on as everyone else. I think everyone expects the heat to be pretty good this year. So I can't, I didn't actually look at the numbers from the Southeast. I'd imagine they're like overwhelming favorites. And then when you're looking at their championships, I think I think they're priced correctly. I mean, I'm not saying that, that you know they can't win it, or at some point, you know, if they go on a losing streak, that there won't be some value. But I don't really see it right now. And wanting to tie my uh, money up for the whole year, what do you guys think? You're seeing twenty to one to win the title, seven to one to win the East, and minus three hundred to win the division. The seven to one to win the East is kind of interesting, simply in that they're priced behind the Celtics and the Nets, and I'm not sure that they necessarily are less likely to win the, the conference and whether those two teams. So that 7-1 number is a little interesting to me, but I wonder how that moves throughout the season. Steve, what were you going to say? Look, I'd be more interested in getting behind them for the 2021-2022 season, considering their cap flexibility and you know their ability to sign a, a, a name and how they've kind of structured all their contracts. So it is going to be tricky, I guess, towards the latter part of this season. I wouldn't anticipate them making any significant moves around the, you know, while trades are active uh, during the season. Um, look, it's, it, it is kind of hard to gauge, and you, you look at the star power of some of these other teams in the East, you know, you, you know what you're going to get with Miami, but it's just about a matter of whether they can they can maintain that. And, and you know, it looks like the East has become a little bit stronger over the, the last couple of months, and, and it's, it's hard to gauge off such a near miss last season, whether they'll be able to back it up and, and go all the way looking at it from a, you know, to win the East or to, to win the championship. Yeah. I, you know, first glance, I like that seven. I'll get ponder that a little more, do a little more homework. That might be one that gets closer to 10 to one in season. And if something like that yeah. happens and, you know, we haven't had a major season injury, serious injury to anybody, God forbid, something like that. Uh, that'll be a number I'll look to play. So we like the heat. We think they're a real contender. We'll have a chance to again, beat Milwaukee to win the conference. You know, we're not sure that's going to happen, but it possibly could. Although we don't like their win total, we think that number is just about right. Any other thoughts on Miami, gentlemen, before we move on to the next team? No, I think we did a pretty good job of uh, ca- capturing some of the uncertainty uh, around this team. We'll jump forward to the Orlando Magic, a team that hasn't really changed too much. They lose DJ Augustine, draft Cole Anthony, uh, pick up Dwayne Bacon, Um you know, so again, not too many changes. This is kind of the little team that keeps chugging along. Um, you know, it's Vucevic again, it's Fournier again, um, all those cast of characters. Um, Steve, I saw you smile. What were you thinking about the Orlando Magic? Are they going to continue to uh, be the team that's always somehow constantly fighting for the eight seed? Look, I, I think so. It, it's you, know, you look at 
the core that they've had together for a couple of seasons now and you, and you think, well, they're, you know, things will click and they will be able to make those improvements and they just haven't come at all. Um, you know, is there enough consistency in that core to be able to, you know, trust them? And, and look, I'm pretty happy to rule them out from a championship and a, to win the East perspective. The question is, you know, will they be making the playoffs here? I don't know. I mean, you know, like I said with Miami, at least they've got the majority of their core they've kept together, so they will have that chemistry and they, they do know how to work with each other. Their best is great, but their worst is borderline horrific. Um, it, it's hard to know what they're going to be able to maintain, and, and I just wonder if they don't have the star power to, to win games late. And, you know, when you look at their team, who's taking the shot at the end? Yeah. It's just again, like you said, you start to look at what their starting five is going to be. Markel Fultz, most likely. I wonder if Cole Anthony takes that job at some point during the year. Then you've got Fournier, then it's Terrence Ross, maybe James Ennis, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic. It's an okay team. They, sh they should play well every night. I there's not a lot of shooting. There's not a ton of space. But Vucevic continues to be a guy who produces and I think do a little bit better. I think that just from night to night, this is going to be a great over team. I don't see a lot of defense here. You know, I wonder what their pace will look like. Um, you know, they tend to play a little bit of slower pace, but I think the teams will have a, no ch problem at all scoring here. But at the same time, you know, again, Vucevic, Fournier, Gordon, all those guys are really nice players on the other end of the floor. Spread, what do you think here? I mean, this team to me is a team that is like 30 years in the past, right? We got a point guard, Fultz, who can't shoot from behind the arc. Okay, so that doesn't play in today's NBA. We got a power forward that can't switch in Aaron Gordon, right? Who's great on small forwards, great on power forwards, but if I switch him to a guard, he's no good. And then I got a center that needs to run through the post, which is like being in the NFL and, you know, establishing the running game, right? I mean, that was cool in 89. I don't know if it flies now. Now, Vukovic, I will give him credit because he can move out and space the floor and he can shoot, but I think he's most effective inside. I just don't like the buildup of this team. And I think the problem that they have is they are in the East and this roster would bottom out in the West and get a great draft. Pick, but in the East, with so many marginal teams on the bottom, I still don't see how, as much as I've just downgraded this team and I hate the way that they're set up, they're still probably the seventh or eighth best team in the East because the drop-off after after five teams is just enormous here. And this is a roster that, as much as I've run it down and saying it's not built, I mean, these things will still win against inferior talent, you know. Um, you know, Vukovic is still an all-star center. Aaron Gordon's still got all the potential in the world. we got to get this guy to be able to shoot from outside. Uh, but what I don't like is their inability to create uh, off the dribble. Like, where are your creators? That's where Cole Anthony and, and how much he can and, uh, uh, become a creator is going to affect this team. Um, you know, I wonder if they'd even run a small three there with, with Anthony Fournier and Fultz on, on the floor all at the same time. And then the interesting wild card, I'd say, for this team is Chuma Okeke, who was drafted last year and didn't play at all. He was the 16th pick last year. Um, so obviously, you know, a lot of potential with this guy. Can he step in and actually be a contributor and, and a player that the Magic need? Um, you know, that could kind of sway things. But overall, I think this is a team that's really not built for – uh, the new NBA, but they're good enough to not bottom out and get a pick. I think it's really tough to see what you do in Orlando. Uh, you know, you really want to go for a championship. I think you tear the whole thing down, but they don't seem to be ready to do that because the results are just too good. Yeah, just to remind everybody, the playoff, 
um, set up for this year. And, you know, we're used to having the top eight from each conference going in. What will happen this year is the top six are in, and then seven through ten have a little playoff series where seven plays eight, and then the loser of that game, uh, winner's in, loser of that game, then plays the winner of the nine versus ten game. So a little bigger range this year. All they have to do is get in that nine, ten range, actually, to have a chance to make the playoffs. Now, what do you think? Their odds to make the playoffs, I'm seeing plus 125 or 2.25 for you decimal folk out there. You know, that puts them at a li- right around a little less than 50% chance to make the playoffs. Does that number appeal to either of you? I mean, unless they tank on the season and sell off, how do they not? I mean, I think it's actually a pretty good price unless they sell off. I, mean, I guess it's, it's going to come down to, like I said there, that, that who takes the last shot. The they're probably what play in playoff, you know, that, that format, that six, seven, no, sorry, seven, eight, nine, ten. that's going to be their ceiling. Mm-hmm. So that's still going to be, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a comfortable win. I, I can't see them being six seed or better. I just don't know when you look at the caliber of some of the other teams and, and what they've or, you know, what they've got on their rosters. I just struggle to see unless, you know, Jonathan Isaac makes some miraculous return from his ACL, which I looks like it would be the case because they've already, they've already ruled him out for the whole season. Yeah. It, it, it's um, it's tough to see. I mean, look, you could maybe make a case if you think they're going to make a playoffs and become a really good team. You know, is Markel Fultz most improved player a better option or, you know, looking down that kind of action? I, I think something will need to change for them to, to make a significant improvement. I just don't know if we're going to see it from, you know, Gordon Fournier or, or Vukovic. I like what you said there in terms of alternate markets. And we'll get to the win totals in just a second. One of the bets I did actually place was Cole Anthony to win um, Rookie of the Year. I got a pretty good number of that at 60 to 1. There's still some 30s and 40s floating around, and I think that's still value. He has a chance to take this job and I think put up some real stats. Just an opportunity, kind of a flyer there. So take a look. Again, if you have it, again, 30 to 1 or better, um, I've seen some 40 out there in the last week. We sprinkled that for just a little bit. Now, the win total mark. that real quick, Noops. Uh, I did get to do as much prep as usual, but the uh, beat writers that I get, did get to see that saw some practices and saw some workouts were very impressed with Cole Anthony saying that he has an NBA-ready body. You know, I mean, we see the heights and we see the weights, but they said when he got out there, he looked ready to go. You know how some of these rookies, obviously, they need to put weight on? They said he looks like he has the speed and strength to compete right off the bat. So uh, I, I love that play that you put, and I think there's even still value at, at 30 or 40. Yeah, I got, um, you know, kind of my case there is I think there's a chance that he takes Markel Fultz role there um, or sooner rather than later. Again, right. Even right. Either Fultz get hurt or he right? continues to struggle <laughs> shooting or, or, you know, doesn't enjoy being the lead player. Either way, I think Cole Anthony is going to be out there every night playing his ass off, put a ton of pressure on Fultz, put a ton of pressure on the coaching staff to get him started every night. So I think there's just a chance for him to take that job. And like you said, look really well, being able to push the pace, being able to kick the ball out to Vucevic in the corner, you know, kick out to Fournier and some of those guys. You know, again, they don't have a ton of shooting, but the guys they have could be pretty reliable. So it's an opportunity to play more than anything else. And, and I think that, market, that, that should happen sooner rather than later when, when you look at their whole, you know, roster. They've only got three players, I think, over the age of 30. That They're obviously trying to kind of be semi-competitive now with a look to the future. And I think if you can put Cole Anthony in there, you know, I, I would be shocked if, you know, Michael Carter-Williams was playing significant minutes given the makeup of this and, and that look to the future when you've got such talented young players on the on the roster. 
Now, the win total market has them take on a, a little bit of a step back. Again, their win percentage last year, right around 46%. The Pythag on that, right around 46 So pretty good number for them. Looking forward, the line for a win percentage, I'm seeing 43.5%. Win totals 31.5 or 32.5, depending on where you look. Again, that puts them right around a 43% win team up to a 45% win team. You know, so I, that does. It probably puts them right around there in the 7, 8, kind of 9 range. What do you guys think of that number? I mean, if I had to play it, I think there's probably more value on the under just because it's more of an injury-prone team, and there's probably mm-hmm. more upside on some of these other clubs, but it feels like a good number to me. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, I mean, like I said, barring a sell-off, I think this is a pretty safe team for us to uh, prognosticate. I, I, mean, I don't think their ceiling is much higher than what we've given them credit for, and I don't really see how they fall below. You know, I don't see how they fall past 10. I mean, I mean, can we just pencil them in seven to 10 right now? I feel pretty sure about that. So number seems about right to me. And I'm circling back to that plus 125 on yes to make the playoffs. And Steve, I think you made a good point in slowing us down a little bit, given that they are going to have to be in kind of that tight series where either they have to win, they have to win at least one game, you know, kind of in their home arena against, you know, you're probably looking at the Wizards are probably there. I, you know, I wonder if, you know, the Nets, maybe if they don't put it together, if the Sixers kind of flounder a little bit or floating around in that spot, you've got a Bulls team that could be really competitive and better with a new coach. Um, we get to the Knicks, you guys are going to be surprised how optimistic I am about the Knicks, but you could have tips there just screaming at every single Magic player. They could be the 10 seed, folks. It could happen. At least some of these teams are really bad. But, Man, I want to uh, do the Knicks preview right now, then, because I can't wait to we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. But you know, at the end of the day, that plus one twenty-five sort of would imply that in those games that they would be solid favorites, and I don't think they would. I think those games would be lined pretty evenly. You know, you'd probably get a chance to get them in. You know, that plan game. My God, I can't imagine it being deeper than minus one fifty. So instead of tying your money up all year, maybe just wait until that. What do you yeah, think about that? That's all you know. Yeah. Dude. I'd agree with that. And look, at, and I think it, then, you know, you, you mitigate that risk of, you know, there is every chance that, you know, one of their core players does get injured and the depth of this roster bottoms out pretty quickly in some spots. So, look, it, it, it's um, we don't think they're going to get anything above that kind of seventh spot. So I think that seems to be the safe play. All right, gentlemen, anything else here? on the Orlando Magic before we jump into uh, the Hornets of Charlotte. No, let's move on. I think Orlando's the most boring team in this division. Charlotte, Hornets, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Jordan got his guy. They were able to add – I mean, I assume it's his guy. I don't know if Michael Jordan said anything about it. I'm just going to put that out there in the world. Michael Jordan got his guy. LaMelo Ball, they threw a bunch of money at Gordon Hayward, which – that's a what a great idea in 2020. Um, now they did see Batum go out the door. No more Dwayne Bacon, which is always fun because I forget that he's a real person. It just sounds like a fake name to me. Um, and then Willie Hernan Gomez is out. Um, I don't know about you guys. As I start to look at this roster. I think this team is going to be awful. Um, you've got Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, and Cody Zeller. That looks to be your starters. If you notice, I didn't mention Lamelo Ball, and I'm sure he's going to be really excited to sit on the bench and watch those guys play. So you've got all that stuff going on in the locker room, and even when you start to look at that five, there's only one basketball to split up between Hayward, Rozier, and Graham, and even Washington. Again, you know he's going to need a shot. Zeller obviously doesn't care, but there's not a lot of shooting on this team. I see a lot of people wanting the ball in their hands. I think this. I think this goes south really fast. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, it's. 
I hope they have patches of brilliance that can keep their fans excited. Um, but look, it's hard. Look, so I, I got to see a lot of Lamelo Ball playing in the NBL here in Australia over the last season. And look, the numbers that he put up were impressive, um, particularly on the assist front, considering the rules here around what is um, deemed to be an assist are a lot stricter than in the NBA. Um, it, it's look, it, it does look like they're going to need to play small ball for this to work in some capacity. Um, but look, I, I saw a couple of comments around PJ Washington, maybe playing more at the center. Um, they don't have a lot of depth in that, that big man department. So look, it's, it's hard to be inspired by them, but look, I'm sure with Lamello there, that there will be enough, you know, little snippets and highlights and things to keep people interested in some capacity, but look, they're not jumping out to me and look, Yes, Gordon Haywood, look, maybe he showed some patches when he was in and out of the bubble, but, look, that's a big call to put him on that much money considering, you know, they've just stretched and waved, you know, Batum for pretty similar money for a pretty similar type of role and position. So it's it's hard to get excited, but I think they'll have at least enough little patches of, of semi-brilliance but more for, for this season in, in any term of overs or, or winning anything substantial. All right, Spread, you never say anything bad about anyone, so tell us something not bad about the Charlotte Hornets. You know I was going to. I Okay, this is an improved team. This is an improved team. Gordon Hayward, right, doesn't help you win a championship, right? We've seen that you know, he has the, limp, the, the liabilities uh, uh, defensively that would really have him struggle in a playoff series. We're not setting up for a playoff series for the Charlotte Hornets. We're just trying to be relevant. I think that he helps a lot. He can still score. He's still a nice veteran presence. And at the end of the game, you know, kind of answer that question, who's going to have the ball, right? I mean, I don't mind Hayward taking these shots. Devontae Graham, great season last year, 37% from three. I like that in my point guard, quick enough to get by people. Defense is passable. Terry Rozier, I can see him moving back to his bench role that he had on the successful Boston team as LaMelo emerges. And, okay, if you don't have big men, that's fine. That's the easiest buyout market to find if you still are relevant um, right around the trade deadline. And it's, I mean, it's a position that's been legislated out of the league with the freedom of movement on the perimeter, right? So not having big men doesn't worry me. When you're as bad, and I know this as a Sacramento Kings fan, when you are this bad for this long, the struggle is for relevance. We're not building a championship team here, right? So I can definitely say that I think this team improved. I'm not a big LaMelo guy. I don't think that overall he's ever going to be a, a star, a needle changer, or things like that. I think he does bring excitement to the team. I think he can put up points. And so the big question here, right, we have questions around each of these teams, right? Well, except for the Magic because they're so boring. Right. But the, the big Charlotte question is, can we get LaMelo to buy in the defensive end? I'm sure that Steve, as much as you saw some great assists and some cool shots, you also saw LaMelo completely dogged on the defensive end and, and, you know, not really even seem interested at all. So will NBA yeah. coaches be able to get him to buy in? I'll, I'll give him credit. He was a lot more defensively active than I thought he would be. Um, I think he was in one of the top leaders in terms of steals as well. But, look, he, he looks like that that type of player that, yeah, he, he does have all the talent in the world and he's good at reading. And I think he does try and cheat a little bit on defense a little bit and, and try and, and play the percentages a bit. Look, I, I think there's potential there. As I said, look, they do have bigs on their roster. I mean, they've got Biombo and Cody Zeller 
it looked like, and, and from what I'd seen, that there's probably every chance that, that Zella will not be on the team by the end of the, the season with his expiring contract. But it'll be, um, yeah, I, looking at Biombo and Zella at that C spot, I can see why they're kind of leaning towards having, you know, maybe maybe Washington move over into the into the centre spot and play a, a slightly smaller ball with, with Bridges and Haywood there as the other kind of big-ish bodies. I mean, every, everybody's big when you compare it to Lamello balls. All right, so, uh, you know, maybe I'm a little biased given that I've recently had a bad experience with a former Spurs assistant in his first job ever, but I think it's a tall, tall task to ask a guy like James Borrego to come in in his first job, manage all the little mellow ball stuff, try to get Terry Rozier to agree, like you said, spread, to give up the ball and move to the bench, deal with Gordon Hayward and figure out how to hide him on defense, and then figure out how to just keep everybody happy. I mean, I... At the end of the day, even if everybody is happy and they're playing well, I just feel like every time Gordon Hayward has the ball, it should be in Graham or Washington's hands. I think that Miles Bridges is going to somehow lose minutes for some reason, and he should be a guy that should be playing. Like you said, I know that you're trying to get to relevance, but I don't know if Gordon Hayward for four years and however many millions of dollars they no, paid him. No, it's not a good contract. Right, but I don't know if that, if that even but... gets you to relevance. Like Maybe you just you have a name that people recognize, but – I think that Gordon Hayward is on the way down more than he is on anything. I'm sorry? Do you slide them in his top 10? Do you think that we'll be seeing them in the play-in tournament? No. No, 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 no. Um, I think they've got a chance to do it, and I'm going to bet over on their season win total of 25. All right, good, because I want to hammer the under. Okay. Um, So (laughs) we should also bet his spread. To make the playoffs, they're plus 360. So you're drinking the Hornets Kool-Aid, buddy. You might as well. Plus 360. Get it it in there. That means they Um, have to qualify for the top 10 and then upset somebody, right? Um, well, you know, they might just be the seven seeds. It's going to be so stinking great. What are you worried okay, about? Yeah, no, okay. Let's not go overboard here. <laughs> All right. The lines I'm seeing for the Hornets, the win percentage I'm seeing is 36 and a half. And the win totals on them, I'm going to have to go through and double check this, but I'm seeing a wide range. Bovada at 25 and a half up to bet online all the way at 28 and a half. This is the first one where I'm actually tempted to go total instead of percentage because that under 28 and a half is actually under 39 and a and a half percent win percentage versus the 36 and a half that I have to get a DK. So I'm getting a little more value there. I might actually go against my win percentage theory there. But, you know, Spread, what are you thinking there? You, I mean, 25 and a half is the number I'm seeing at Bovada. Yeah, that's you the run, one that I'm betting. That's the one that I'm you're, betting. You're, you're running you're running to the line for that? Because hey, I think I'm. Hey, Bookmaker's a sharp book. Bookmaker says it's 28. That's three games of value right there. Let's go. All right, Steve, what do you think? I mean, obviously, one of us is right, one of us is wrong. Um, <laughs> why don't you tell us? Look, it, it looks so Charlotte to make the playoffs is slightly shorter than LaMelo Ball to be rookie of the year. And it's, it's hard. To, that was brilliant. It, it's hard to see them. Look, it, <laughs> it's tricky. I, I don't see them in the playoffs. I, I think a lot would have to go right. Um, you know, and, you know, looking at the rest, just looking at the rest of this division, let alone the rest of the East, it's, it's, it's tough to see them, you know, being competitive consistently. Like I said, I think they'll have flashes and things will come together really well for patches, but across the, across the whole season, I I don't see it. It's really tough. I think I'm going to, again, go ahead. I'm going to think about it a little bit after the show. I'll probably end up with, I'll probably actually even split that a little bit, take maybe a unit and put it on under 28 and a half at bet online, take a unit and put it on the under win percentage at um, 
one of my can be books, something like that. But I am obviously not nearly as optimistic. I struggle to see even if everything goes right, given the lack of shooting, you know, given the lack of, I think, leadership on the court, frankly. I mean, is Hayward going to be the leader of this team? Is Ball going to try to take it over? Mm-hmm. You know, again, all that, you mix it together uh, with the first year coach. I, I am. I'm looking to fade them. So I think that's what I'll do. I'll take unit on under 28 and a half because it's a little better value and then another unit on the under for the win percentage because it's probably a little safer and I'll probably see that one through. Um, and what do you guys think? Anything else here on the Charlotte Hornets? Look, I, I don't think so. I, I think, um, you know, in a 24 hours time, I'm going to be staring or talking to the two of you. And yeah, Alex, you've got every unders under the sun and spread's probably going to come out with, you know, Charlotte to make the playoffs, Lamelo to win the Rookie of the Year, Lamelo to have the most assists, the fifty to one in the league. Um, take your pick at all of those. But look, at, at at least look, we're talking about them. It's it's nice to have different opinions on on particular teams such as this one because you know we we haven't seen them play since it's early in the season. It's nice to have you know let them have their their moment in the sun a little bit. All right, let's jump into hey, the Washington. Final hot take go before we go. Here's my hot take before we go. Charlotte will be one of the most undervalued teams in the league. I will be betting on them a lot, and they're going to go better than 50% against the spread this year. I think you and I are going to have a running uh, spoon bets against the Hornets and uh, spread bets the Hornets thing going on. That's going to be I'm going to be getting fun. like 12 to 13 points every night. I love I mean, it. I'm going to be laying them. <laughs> let's do it's it. It'll be great. It's going <laughs> to be like absolutely fun. fantastic. All right, let's <laughs> jump into the Washington Wizards. Uh, what are the surprises of the last team? Blew away their win total. I can't remember spread if you and I were on the under. Let's say we weren't because there's definitely not any record of that anywhere available to anyone for them to go back and listen to <laughs> look up or, or anything like that. But, um, you know, was able to come out. Uh, they were they got a, they were in the bubble, had a chance to make the playoffs. Obviously, didn't make that work. You know, still had a negative net rating, but again, surprised me in general. Obviously, you had uh, Davis Bertans being a really tremendous shooter. Bradley Beal taking a real step forward. Um, now, in terms of changes, gone is John Wall. Gone is Jan Mahimni, Shabazz Napier. Apparently, they had Gary Payton Jr., who was in the league. I had, I had no idea. Um, but they bring in Russell Westbrook. They draft Denny Avita at Robin Lopez and Raul Neto. Um, there are some pretty solid ads, Franco. I mean, say what you will about Russell Westbrook, but he's much better than John Wall, in my opinion. It's, there's not much that John Wall does better than Russell Westbrook does. He brings some energy Doggy. to the team. I think night to night, he's going to keep them really competitive and you know help them from a regular season win perspective. So I'll let you jump in, Spread, since you're just saying, what do you think of the Wizards? Dougie way better than Westbrook. That's the oh. He does better. He does the Dougie way better. Um, well, I know that they're both listening to this, so <laughs> if you guys could arrange some sort of Dougie off <laughs> yeah. or dug off, probably for charity, you know, to yeah. raise charity or something. I don't know, for somebody named Dougie or some sort of Dougie Foundation, but that's a great idea. Reach out to us. We'd be happy to run the live stream for that and set it all up. Um, but I think you might be right maybe there. Um, do you have any serious thoughts on the Wizards? What do you see yeah. in here? What do you think of the team night to night? What are you doing? We got star power with no depth here. I'm really intrigued by the starting five. Um, as, as I go in, I try and do one big question around each team. And this is just going to be, I think the question for this team is uh, Danny Avija, right? When we did our uh, draft preview, right? There was te- places that had him going four. I think we didn't even put him in the top 14. Then we circled back to put him in, right? Because he completely- We got him at some point. Five. I think we had him right around 10. I, you're right. Yeah, you I think we, we didn't think as highly of him as, as the market. And he did right. some. And I've also, you know, like the Warriors put out so much smoke about how talented this guy was. You know, I was kind of a believer. And then you go to watch and then you see how that 
he really didn't do that well in the Euro League, which, you know, like Luca and these guys crushed. Uh, and the guy that went to the Nuggets, I can't wait till we get to talk about him. Um, so I'm not really sure what to make of him. I do like the starting five. I think that one interesting thing that we will have now here with Westbrook being on this team is I think Thomas Bryant's going to be great with him in the pick and roll because Bryant can roll and shoot. And I think that will take away some of Westbrook's inability to shoot, right? Because now you have Bryant be able to pick and pop. Then you have Westbrook go uh, to the rim. I think that's going to work out really well. The Beal Westbrook, um, you know, I would say, oh, how are they both going to handle it, right? Well, he played with John Wall for all those years, right? So Beal can definitely handle um, working off ball and still getting his points. Bertans is one of the best shooters in the league. Hashimura is a nice piece where he is in this lineup. But he showed during the bubble, you know, like this guy's not ever going to be a number one option. And he definitely struggles uh, with the attention of the defense. My issue for this team, especially when it comes to our regular season win total, is the drop off as soon as they go to the bench. Ish Smith behind Westbrook, terrible. Jerome Robinson behind Beal. I mean, that's about as big a drop off as you can get in the league. Tony Brown Jr. behind Bertons. I mean, you're losing all your shooting. Avij is our huge question mark. And then Robin Lopez, who hasn't been good since he was at Stanford coming in for Bryant. So I think that's where they're going to struggle and why I'm worried about them for some regular season win totals. But when we get down to this little playoff, because that's where I put them here too, is in the 7 to 10 range, I think they're going to be one of the most dangerous teams because you jack those starters up to 43, 44 minutes a night, and this might be the best starting five of the bottom four uh, 7th through 10 teams. Yeah, like you said, the starting five, really tight. You have Westbrook, Beal, Bertans, Achimura, and Thomas Bryant. Um they do pretty much everything well. You've got two elite shooters on the floor. Westbrook's going to be able to push the ball, attack the basket, and create opportunities for those guys. You know, defensively, I don't know if there's anybody that's on the floor that's great, but I think Bryant was very solid on that end last year. And you, like you said, is going to love running the pick and roll with Westbrook. What are you seeing here, Steve? As I look at the odds to make the playoffs, it looks like they're just about a pick them. Depending on where you look, I'm seeing minus 115 each way here at FanDuel. What are you expecting for the Wizards of Washington? Look, I think they're another one that's probably, you know, has that potential to fall into the that play-in kind of period there, that 7 to 10. I think listening to the two of you and and something I was thinking about while I was, you know, looking up on, on this division, I know big men aren't generally renowned for it, but, you know, you, you two have both mentioned the positives that can come with Thomas Bryant for the upcoming season. You know, he was averaging, I think, 18 and 9 in the bubble. He was injured before going into the bubble. So, you know, it was the first time for a little while that he'd been playing free of injury. Is, you know, I'm staring at his 100 to 1 most improved and wondering if he's a, a candidate in that particular market, particularly with Westbrook coming in. But I think the big question with Washington is, you know, in, in a weird way, they kind of remind me a little bit of the Portland Trailblazers in terms of, you know, a, a couple of star guards and then not a lot of depth you know, of a couple of seasons ago. Do you think the plan with Westbrook and Beal would be to make sure, given the lack of depth, that always there's at least one of them always on the court and, and we'll probably see, you know, maybe Westbrook come out, you know, at the six-minute mark of the, the first and, and start to kind of rotate it a little bit? Or do you think they just go and, and back in Ish, Smith and co to actually, you know, cover up and, and, and make sure they they don't end up in, in large deficits when the, the two big names come back on. 
I think you have to balance it that way. And I think that works actually for Westbrook. Just tell him, come out, play as hard as you can for six minutes. We're going to pull you. We're going to put Smith in the Smith in the game for a little bit. We're going to let him run with Beal because, you know, Smith isn't great, but he's a perfectly serviceable backup. He knows how to attack the basket. He knows how to distribute. He's not a huge, huge negative defensively. So, you know, he'll be able to pick up for Westbrook for a few minutes while Beal gets to kind of run some of his stuff. You bring Westbrook back on the floor towards the end and you let Beal kind of get that break for maybe two minutes before the end of the quarter or something like that. Um, if I was a coach, I would definitely be lining things up that way. Now, again, the odds to make the playoffs right around. Can I jump in there real play. quick on that? I yeah, you're way overestimating Scott Brooks here. He didn't he didn't stagger uh, Wall and Beal when he had them together. He would bring them off at the same time. Um, I mean, the guy's like the Anthony Lynn of of the NBA here. I mean, I'm not – Brett Brown 1.0. I mean, I, he might be worse. But I can't believe he still has this job, right? I mean, it's just – it's just insane that oh, anyways. Yeah. I, I'm not expecting a lot for, you know, you saying this is what they should do. I, I don't expect them to do that. I, th- I don't think he's going to stagger them. And I think that second unit is going to get blown off the court. And you know, we love to live bet the NBA and <laughs> when they, <laughs> when they go off the court, when they come back on, you're going to be able to get like six, seven point swings on the point spread. So uh, I, I'm not counting on Scotty Brooks making smart coaching decisions. The last season, right around a 35% win percentage. Their Pythag was a little better at 36%. Looking at the lines for next year, the book's expecting an increase in that number, 39.5% at uh, Canby for the win percentage. The win total is pretty much 28.5 everywhere else, which lines up almost exactly with that win percentage. I still kind of, I actually like the under there. You know, again, part of me is, is still trying to figure out what happened last year and why this team was so successful. I mean, maybe it is just you know, as simple as they have two of the best shooters in the league. And that just makes everything so much easier for everyone else. Um, like you said, spread they should just be getting blown out when that second unit comes on. But what do you guys think about those numbers? Once again, I think this number seems right. I wasn't really too excited to attack this team. I think the market is dead on with what this team is. And that's a team that has some talent, has a nice starting five, and will benefit from being overlooked. How many times did the Washington cover last year? Because – Teams are completely overlooking them. We get 10 or 12 points. The team doesn't even play for the first three quarters. And then even though they pull out the victory and, and leave Washington thinking, hey, it's okay for us to do that, uh, when we have the Washington ticket in our pocket, we went ahead and cashed a sweat-free ticket. So um, I think it's gonna, I think it's going to be the same. I don't think they're that good, but I think they're going to be overlooked by other teams, and there's going to be uh, a chance to get them in some great dog opportunities because I think their starting five can't hang. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think I do want to bet the under here on this win total or the win percentage. I'm going to wait and see if it moves around a little bit, take some money after the Westbrook deal. But as much as I want to bet under there, I'm with you. If, if there are a big spread against somebody before a game, I am not going to hesitate at all to try to bet them because it's going to be one of those teams, like you said, the starting five will start good. You're not going to get a chance to get a great number live unless they come out really flat. And then, you know, you're probably lost anyway. But if they're a Your big number night tonight, I think like- they can be competitive. 10 minutes into the second quarter, because at that point, if it's anything like Brooks's old rotations, Wall and uh, not Wall, Westbrook. And that's Bale, when you buy out as yeah, well. We come say. off the bench and then, you know, they're going to lose six to eight points during that time. And you can jump in there for a little more. But, yeah, I think I'm going to be comfortable play, placing a lot of Wizards plus double digits pregame. What do you think about that angle, Steve? Yeah, look, I tend to agree. I think with that, look, I'm probably more interested in them. Yeah. Um, game to game across the the season. Again, that total probably looks about right. I, they they do strike me as 
you know, one of those teams that, you know, a significant injury or, you know, something to a poor start, things could really bottom out quite quickly. But look, I have them as one of those playing candidates for that ninth, tenth seed. So things are going to need to go right. But look, having players like Beal and, you know, this is, this is one of those teams I think we were talking before about the um, Orlando Magic in these particular, you know, positions, if they were to match up in one of these these playing rounds that, you know, you've got the likes of Westbrook and Beal, you, you've got these these biggest star players to be able to kind of take over. And look, whilst Westbrook may, <laughs> shouldn't always take over, at least you've got someone out there who's, who's willing to, you know, attempt to make a play and, and try and come up with something creative. So I think I agree with you guys. I'd be looking at, at match by match. I think there could be some big spreads there to, to target early in the season, um, but I, I don't see them threatening a lot of those top teams in the East. As I start to look at my projection again, this is another one where I'm, I'm just thinking about the under a little bit more. I've got them right around 24 to 26 wins myself. I mean, are they going to be able to, to, to take a win off Milwaukee? Are they going to be able to beat Toronto at any point? You know, I, I've got them getting one off Boston, one off Indiana, one off Miami, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, some of those teams. Maybe they beat Charlotte twice, but um, you know, what do they get? One, maybe two off the Bulls. You're looking at one or two off the Knicks, the Pistons. Uh, they just kind of fall in line with a lot of those teams. And you know, as you start to get out towards the West, I mean, they're going to get to play all these teams twice. I think about it more. I mean, who doesn't sweep the Wizards out West? I mean, Lakers and Clippers should be looking to sweep. I'd say sweep Sacramento, them. Houston, and OKC. All right. Exactly. Sacramento and Houston. And even Houston might be able to take them for a game I mean, if James Harden is going to in that point. If Harden's that's, a, that's as, yeah, as I start to look at it, I think I am going to play the under here. Probably the win percentage again since the um, win total line lines up nicely with that. But I like the under there. But again, also agree. Night to night, I think this is going to be a fun team. If they're a double-digit dog against you know a, a team that especially is in some sort of a look-ahead spot or it's a tough scheduling spot where they're going to try to ramp down late, that's going to be a great angle. Anything else? on? Yeah, in, in game to game. This team was an over machine last year. Constantly on the live board would have numbers in the 260s and 270s. This team can score. This team cannot defend. Look for that early in the season if the books aren't putting these huge numbers up because eventually they adjusted, right? And they're hanging like 242s, right? But if they come out in the 230s, especially the low 230s, we could have a nice little feast of overs here right at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I guess my last my last question on on them is you know you, you look at Westbrook and yes there are obvious obvious flaws with his game and and his style but you know he was still producing was it twenty seven eight and seven on the Rockets with James Harden there that is is there a potential for him to to be upping those numbers here in Washington or do you think it's going to be more of a deferring to to Bradley Beal? I wonder if they'll play at the same pace. You know, Brooks doesn't necessarily like to run as much. So I think that you will see, you know, just his opportunities per game decrease because of that. At the same time, maybe his points pick up because he's not dumping the ball to Harden as much. But he'll have just as many chances to generate assists, I think, with Burdens, with Beal, and some of those guys on the floor. How about you, Spread? What do you think? Yeah, that's going to be the key to his game. Uh, He's going to be able to get so many assists, or he should. He's still going to be able to get by everybody in the league, right? And what's our knock on Westbrook? Not that he's a bad player, simply that he can't shoot. He does everything else above average, right? I mean, he gets to the rim with the best in the league. Above average passer, right? Pretty good defender with his athleticism, right? He's definitely not a a minus defensively like I'd say John Waller or some of these other guys are, right? So, I mean, he's a great basketball player who can't shoot. Night to night in the NBA, the grind where they're not 
designing plays specifically for you, taking two days off, you know, going over everything, just a quick scouting report, two or three things for the players to focus on and go, he's going to be able to dominate. So, yeah, I'm expecting a big season for Westbrook here. Uh, I think his numbers will go up. And was there any appeal in that Bryant 100-1 to 1 most improved player for either of you two, or is that just me? I don't think I, I don't he's think profile he's... enough, even if he is legitimately the most improved player. He's going to have to yeah. front like with a 20 and 10 kind of thing to do that. And I just don't know if there's the opportunity. I think that he could be a big rebound guy. You know, maybe he gets like, if he can get up to like 12 rebounds, like two blocks and then like 15 points or something. But neither of those scenarios feel great to me. So that is a pass. All right. Are we ready to talk about the last team? The Hawks of Atlanta, they are one of the biggest teams um, in terms of increases year over year in terms of their performance last year and their win totals. Um, gone is Dembry Deadman. Um, Jeff Teague's gone. Vince Carter finally retired. I'm going to miss him. He was a lot of fun. Um, but some big pickups here. Bogdan Bogdanovich, a former Sacramento King, somebody, knows, somebody spread knows all about. Chris Dunn, Danilo Gallinari, Solomon Hill, Rajon Rondo, Tony Snell, Overall, we're looking at a starting five of Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella with um, Rondo Redun as the backup point guard. You've got Herter and Reddish coming in as the backup kind of wings there. And then Danilo Gallinari probably playing power forward with Akangwu, one of the better big, rookie big men coming off the bench. Just a lot of young talent, a lot of opportunity here. Um, Steve, what do you think of the Hawks? Oh, it's a lot better than it's been the last couple of seasons. You know, obviously Trey Young's got some help now, which is nice. Um, it, it's, I think that there's just a significant number of changes here that I think the chemistry is obviously going to be an issue early, in my opinion. And again, look, it's, you know, we, we've seen glimpses, I think, over the last couple of seasons. You know, we saw Young and, and, you know, Collins play particularly well um, early last season. Um, you know, I, I do rate the, the addition of Gallinari. Um, they've got Clint Capella there. There's a lot there that if it all comes together, then I do have, you know, not not incredibly high hopes, but I think, you know, it, it'll, we'll be talking about them in that kind of late stages around that, you know, if not the, the sixth seed into that kind of seven to ten seed spot, which is obviously going to be, you know, more fruitful for, for teams this season than, than any other. So, look, there, there's potential there. I'm just curious to see how it all comes together and and whether health and injuries play a part here across the season or not. Yeah, you need Trey Young to stay healthy. This is obviously a team built around him and try to enhance everything that he does on a night-to-night basis. But given the depth, given how young they are, this team is going to be – just attacking night in and night out. I think this is a team that actually has a chance to fight for like a four or five seed. I think if they come out and everything does really work, you know, we're talking about them probably not winning the division, maybe competing for the division title a little bit, you know, keeping the heat honest, if you will. But if everything goes right for this team, I think they're going to be a ton of fun. I mean, talk about overs. I mean, this team, they can't guard anybody. They're not going to be able to stop a gosh darn thing. And they're just going to be running up and down the floor, chucking threes. What do you think, Squid? I love the 2K franchise mode approach to the offseason, right? I mean, they just went out and, like, specifically addressed each type of need. Like, hey, all right, we need shooting. Let's go ahead and grab Bogdanovich, right? We need a little veteran leadership behind Young because we're losing all the minutes that he's on the bench. Our offensive rating drops. What did I see this morning? 16 points uh, when he goes to the bench. Okay, Rondo should be able to help there. 
you know what? Our defense isn't that good. Let's draft a Kongwu and done. I mean, uh, Capella comes back here. Uh, Gallinari, uh, how do you keep him out of the starting lineup? But supposedly they've, they've um, gone ahead and, and got him to agree to that. And then, of course, you know, um, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter do have the chance to develop into something. And if not, let's bury him on the bench. Tony Snell. Nice offensive uh, addition. I mean, these guys definitely swung for the fences in an attempt to make the playoffs this year and show Trey Young this is the place he wants to be. Will it work out? I mean, who knows yet? Uh, Steve's got a great point, and, and it applies to every team, right? But but health is going to be huge, right? Capella missed a lot of time uh, last year. You know, uh, Rondo's been in and out of the lineup. Um, but, boy, I really like the way this team looks. I think this team's got a, got a great job to compete and not necessarily – be in the elite of the East, but be really close and scare those teams every night. I don't think that teams are going to be rolling into Atlanta already thinking about W and, and staying up till 4 or 5 in the morning. I think this team is really – well, they probably will still will. But this team is going to um, definitely, you know, cause everyone else to scout for them, prepare for them, and I don't think they're going to be overlooked anymore. Um, I, I'm excited for this team. I think they're going to be a lot of fun, and, and I'd really hope that they make the playoffs and maybe even make the top six and stay out of that 7 to 10 range. If Lemon Pepper Lou Williams taught us anything, you can still go pick up food at Magic City. Um, <laughs> could still be a distraction. You know, as much as I mentioned, you know, them being an over team, one of my assumptions is that John Collins will be leaving town at some point. Uh, asked for a ton of money, doesn't seem to get it. Been complaining a lot. So I think they try to find a way maybe to move him. And that's how you see Gallinari move in. And then once he's out, I mean, that's the last thing they have defensively. And I think the floodgates open. I mean, we're going to see totals probably in the 240s, 250s. I want to see even some like at the 260s. I mean, if the Wizards and the Hawks play, what's yeah. to keep that from being like a 150, like 140 like track meet? I mean, we could see 300 points. Um, what are you guys thinking um, in terms of the win totals here? You know, well, last hey, quick year question they were... for you guys on the point you just made. Gallinari and Collins, how much difference is there, right? I mean, these are two guys that can score that really aren't that good defensively. Like how much difference do you see when they're going in and out of the lineup for each other? It's stylistically huge. I mean, Collins is a great defensive player. Um, you think so? I don't think he's that good on the defensive end. Matches up well. Pretty good rim protector. I'll have to go back and double check some stuff. But I thought his advanced stats in terms of you know percentage around the rim when he's on the floor tends to be a little bit better. I'll have to double check some yeah, of that stuff. Yeah, double check because if I remember statistics, at the very least, I, at the very least, I know that Gallinari. At the very least, I know Gallinari is a bad defensive player yeah, and a much better good. shooter. Um, yeah. So I think when you see Gallinari come in, what you'll see is you know, the offense spread out a little bit because you've got another shooter there. You're going to see the points tick up because he's not as good defensively. And, you know, Collins, again, still kind of wants to play in the post and some of that stuff. So when he comes off the floor, I, th I think you see things speed up. Okay. Yeah, if you, I think when you look, you're going to see that his player efficiency ratings were really low. And my only thing that I would say to defend him on that was he did play out of position at the five a lot last year. And last year they had an experiment. It proved it's not going to work. He's not a small ball five. Um, but as a result, I I mean, if you, if you can even find it right now real quickly, I think that he ranked real low defensively last year, at least by the advanced analytics. I'll try to see if I can find that. I mean, part of it might have just simply been he was the only person surrounded by nonsense. I mean, it's everything else. I remember else seeing that, lot. thinking that my eye test thought he was a lot better defender than the metrics told me. Yeah, let me see if I can 
get it by season by season while here while we go through. Um, but let's jump into the win total. You know, again, only a 30% win team last year. We're looking at a number for a win percentage market of 47.5%. The total, um, I got another total where it looks like there's a pretty big range here. It looks like you can get over 34.5 some places, um, up to as high as there's a, there's a rogue 37.5 out there. So, um, <laughs> Maybe a juicy middle there. That's kind of interesting. Take the under 47 and a half, take the over um, 34 and a half, and hope they get exactly 35 or 36. Um, think about that. That's, I don't mind that at all. Yeah. I think that's got a real chance of hitting the middle. Really does. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll try to put a unit each way. Um, I mean, did you guys have a serious opinion about that? Are you thinking over? Are you thinking under? I think this team's really hard to project for me, you know, given some of the variability they have with injury, given it all having to come together and gel and kind of figure it figure it out. Um, and just given their ability to not be able to stop teams defensively, I think they might be a team that beats a lot of bad teams and loses just about all the good teams. So I think there's a lot of variability here. Um I was hoping that I could get a better number on them to miss the playoffs. I think that they are going to be a good team. I think they are going to be a playoff team. Um, but to make the playoffs, they were only minus 200, and the no was only plus 150. So you can see there the market you know, thinks they're going to be a playoff team, but that's not as deep as I was expecting that number to be. Um, again, do you guys have any opinion about the total 34.5 to 37.5 wins um, or that yes-no playoff number? For the middle, well, I don't mind because, you know, you most likely juice out. But as a general rule for me on totals, whenever a team makes a huge jump in expectation, I only look to play the under, okay? I'm never going to play the over when the expectation has gone up, but we don't have any, like, concrete evidence that all these moves are going to work. I think Steve mentioned it. Was it with this team? Or it could have been a different team, but it'll still apply. There's a lot of moving parts that are going to have to be going together here. We don't necessarily know that it's all going to work, right? We assume all these shooters are going to be great. Um, but these are all assumptions. So I would only look to play the under here. Unfortunately, I love the moves they made, so I'm not going to play the under. But I think as a general rule, when the expectations go up and, and these numbers go up, these huge amounts, especially for franchises that haven't seen success like this before, I think it's you a can big only jump. look to play the under. I think you can only look to play the under or the middle, of course. I like that. That was, that was pretty sharp there. All right, gentlemen, anything else on the Hawks here before we wrap up the Southeast Division? I don't think so. Outside of, look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe started the season slowly, like we said, with, with all those moving parts. But, look, I, I think as that chemistry builds, it will start to see a more consistent level from them across the season. All right. Well, just to recap here before um, we do a couple other things, uh, Miami Heat, don't like too much from them from market perspective. I'll be looking during the season to see if their price to win the Eastern Conference sneaks out close to 10. I'll probably even take a nine to, to one if that pops up like that. We think they will be competitive with the Bucks, but that'll be a long time coming. The Magic. You know, again, just going to be the magic. They're going to compete for somewhere around the 7 to 10. Um, not really sure what to expect there. Uh, spread is wrong and thinks the Hornets are going to be great. I am right. I think the Hornets are terrible. I'm going to bet the under. He's going to bet the over. He even took him to make the playoffs like a complete noodle. Um, the Wizards, I like the under there. You guys seem to agree. And then the Atlanta Hawks, nothing there. Again, just too much kind of variability for us. Any other thoughts, again, in general, gentlemen, before we wrap I think overall as a division, this division improved. I think the only team that was stagnant was the Magic. I think every other team improved. The thing was, they were all pretty bad to begin with, right? I mean, the south, the Southeast was where you kind of go on those road trips, sleepwalk through it, 
you know, put up a bunch of bad performances, not cover any spread, and come home four and one if you're a Western Conference team. So I don't know if it would be that easy ne- next year. Well, I'll say the Hornets got different, um, but we'll end it there. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us. Before we wrap it, um, you know, you and I are, are working on something, Ace NBA Previews. Do you want to tell the, the folks a little bit about that, what we got going on and everything? Yeah, look, look, you've been in my ear long enough trying to get us to do more NBA stuff. But no, look, in all honesty, NBA is an area, it's something that I follow quite closely. Um, obviously, things you don't normally see when you just post onto a largely tennis Twitter account. But look, it, it's going to be, I think, a little bit of fun this year, trying something different, getting some pieces together and some articles and, and trying to do a little bit of our DFS work and, and, and you know, really cover off things i think in, in a another sport that's pretty active i mean it's going to be you know all systems go in a couple of weeks and you know having having yourself on board and you know getting allowing myself onto these things you know to be able to work with with the two of you has has been fantastic and and i appreciate all of that obviously it's been a, a big 12 months i think for for everyone i think and, and all of us in particular i, I remember i think it was in our first stream would have been about 12 months ago it would have been early Australian Open. So a little bit of water's gone under the bridge since then. But, yeah, if you head to um, Ace NBA Previews on Twitter, uh, there's a link there to subscribe through to a mailing list. And basically whenever we put anything up, it'll it'll come and, and, and hit your email inbox. And uh, the website is acesportspreviews.com. Yeah, check it out again at Ace NBA Previews on Twitter. Um, we have a couple of articles up there. Did a write up about the MVP market, the most improved market, a couple of division bets that are unfortunately gone. One of the advantages of the mailing list and with the way things load and stuff, you actually get stuff a little bit quicker there. So you have a chance to maybe grab things before they move. Um, Steve actually is finishing up and will be posting a preview that he put together for the Southeast Division. We'll be doing a written preview uh, for each division, you know, that'll kind of go with the Networth podcast that we'll still be doing. So thank you. Thank you everybody for watching we'll be back on wednesday with a special guest a uh, mammalian capper if you will um someone that probably likes to stay away from uh you know captain ahab or something like that but i'll leave it at that thank you for watching thank you for listening we'd appreciate a rating or review on whatever app you're listening to the podcast um, any rating or review again on whatever you're watching we'd appreciate it a follow on twitter thank you so much and uh, we'll be back shortly steve thank you for coming on and good luck in all your